Welcome to Ill-Equipped History, a spooky special edition. Woo. We are joined today by a very, very special person. You have heard, I'm sure, a few things about her on the pod before. Our best friend, Corey. Yay. Hello. Hello. I'm so glad you're here. So Actually, yeah. I am here because I'm visiting Corey in New Jersey, and we have roped her into recording with us. What am I doing? <laughs> She's our captive audience for the next foreseeable future. <laughs> what have I done? <laughs> it's going to be a good time. Uh, very sadly, Morgan did not put me in a suitcase and throw me in the trunk of Unfortunately. the car. So. Unfortunately. Unfortunately. Uh, but I do have a funny story i want to tell y'all please do and it's it's a scary funny story Ooh, a funny scary so, story if y'all are ready i some of y'all might know this i go to the gym at 5 15 in the morning so i have to leave my house at 5 a.m and i am not typically a morning person i drink coffee while i work out i'm that kind of person so i am walking to my car the other morning and I walking away from my back porch and I'm drinking my coffee and I'm minding my own business, not in my right state of mind because I haven't had my Yeti full of coffee yet. And I'm walking and I see a full person next to my car walking. No. Yes. I see a full person, a full, full ass person. And I'm like, you know how, how there's like, um, you've got fight or flight. Yeah. I'm the third F, which is freeze. Yeah. I stand there. I would end up on one of those murder podcasts so fast. Like I would be dead as fuck. If, if someone came to attack me, I would stand there and die. But I stopped and I stared still drinking coffee. And I was like, my heart is racing. And I, I'm like, this is it. I'm going to die in my own driveway. And then I took another step. I don't know why, but I took another step towards the car. And then I realized that I am having a full-blown panic attack over my own fucking shadow. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, my hands were shaking. My heart was pounding. I was like... <sighs> oh, my God. So I just got in the car. I was like, this is literally not how I wanted to get my heart rate up this morning. <laughs> oh, no. Well, I mean, you're probably ready to work out to work off all that adrenaline. <laughs> I was. <laughs> I was. But I felt so fucking stupid. <laughs> Jeez, Emma, you afraid of your own shadow? I, yes. I told Nick that that afternoon and he was like, great. Now my wife's afraid of her own shadow. <laughs> like, thanks. Thanks for that. <laughs> okay, so how are y'all doing? How's your how's your trip, Morgan? It's so amazing. Corey is a lovely host. Um, we've been doing she so is. many fun things, and it's just it's been really great. <laughs> um, we've been doing lots of fun stuff. We got fun stuff planned. Some history stuff. Lots of that. I'm so jealous. Should have come and gotten one of my suitcases. I should have. You don't have one big enough for my ass, though. You know that. <laughs> I'm going to I trunk. need like a a crate 
<laughs> you know, I could I could just sit in the seat. No. You have to go in the seat. It was trunk. just Jack. <laughs> <laughs> I think Jack would scoot over for me. <laughs> or he could sit in your lap. That's fine too. He could. He probably would. He's little. Okay. Are we ready to get into the skit? Let's do it. Let's do it. Corey, are you ready? Um Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all get ready. We're forcing Corey to have lines. So, <laughs> okay, here we go. <clears throat> a couple, Mary and James, sit together in their home on Halloween night watching a horror film. Mary? You're missing a whole movie hiding under that blanket. I don't care. You know I hate these movies. Ah, uh, don't be a weenie. It's just a movie. The movie plays on, and there is a slow knock on the front door, followed by the doorbell. James opens the door to find a vampire and a Barbie. Trick or treat! Trick or treat! Get lost, kids. I'm trying to Netflix and chill in here. In the distance. The kids' older siblings see how James treated the kids. About an hour later, the doorbell rings again. James goes over to the door and swings it open, expecting more kids. I don't have any damn candy. Huh? But there was no one. He closed the door again and headed back to the couch. In a flash, the power flickers off. Then slow knocks sounded from the door again. Don't open it, James! You'll be killed! Stabbed! Murdered! I can't live alone! I wouldn't be able to afford the mortgage! What? Nothing! I- I mean, uh, oh no, I'll- I'll miss you. Would you quit being so dramatic? James opened the door one more time, already mad, when he saw lines of toilet paper hanging from his tree. He stepped onto the porch to see if he could find the culprit when he was hit in the face with something hard and wet, and then another and another. What the fuck? Are these eggs? Fuck you, dude. No one is a dick to my sister. Yeah, and who says Netflix and chill anymore, boomer? Mary should have left yeah, your ass a asshole. long time ago. Probably. What? Nothing. This might be an exaggeration of trick-or-treating. But it does have elements of truth. When it comes to tricks and treats, Halloween is king. But how did Halloween come to be the holiday it is today? Beautiful, Corey. I don't know why you were nervous. Bravo, bravo. I wasn't really nervous. I, I'm actually used to doing these at my LARP, but we don't we don't need to tell everyone about that. <laughs> She's very good at acting, okay? She is, she is. Okay. Morgan and Corey, what do you think of when you think about Halloween? So, like, what comes to mind first? Ghost. Usually bones. Lots bones. of bones. Bones. <laughs> bones. Bones. Just bones. Oh, my... Morgan, can we have some bones merch? <laughs> Let's have some. We love bones, Corey. We love bones. bones. <laughs> we love some good and bones. You too, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> so, for y'all that don't know, Halloween is on October thirty first of every year, and a couple, you know, little fun stats is according to the National Retail. Federation. Americans spend $3.1 billion in candy 
for Halloween every year. That checks. And that was a, I think a 2022, um, so a very recent one, study. That's the word, study. And Halloween in America has become the second largest commercial holiday. And American Haunts estimates that there are over 1,200 haunted attractions that charge admission fees every year. I feel like this underestimating it. I do, too. I feel like there's 1,200 in East Tennessee alone. (laughs) So I don't know (laughs) where they're getting those numbers from. Article written in 1894 in the Christian work describes the holiday, um, quote, when witches, evil spirits, and all mischief-brewing sprites went forth on dark and mysterious midnight revels, end quote. I want to go on a dark and mysterious midnight revel, honestly. That sounds like a great time. It truly does. So, uh, I know, surely to goodness, after our Boston trip, y'all know at least some of the origin stories of Halloween. How familiar are y'all with it? Um, So, I have listened to um one of my favorite podcasts shout out to the morbid podcast um it's one of my favorites Mm -hmm. um they covered the the very early origins of halloween um so i did learn about it from their episode yeah but you cool i basically just remember some basic facts that they told us in salem that may or may not be facts because you know they they really play things up for the tourists there. <laughs> so you tell me. <laughs> was it when we went through the museum that we thought was more museum-y and it turned out to be like a little walking thing with mannequins? Oh, yeah. I remember that. It was... <laughs> and then we thought like me, me and Emily were like hypnotized by one mannequin and we're like, this fucker's moving. And then Corey yeah. like, snap out of it, guys. <laughs> dragging you both through the museum it's fine it's <laughs> trippy it was so trippy <laughs> and that front desk guy was high as shit dude i don't know how so he high it through the day i <laughs> good for him though Bless he was having heart. a good time form a sentence barely <laughs> thank god that he wasn't a tour guide and that the tour was automated because <laughs> yeah yeah okay Back on track. So, origin stories. So, 2,000 plus years ago, uh, the Celtic people were in uh, what is now Ireland, the UK, and northern France. And they celebrated a holiday called Samhain. And it is spelled S-A-M-H-A-I-N. It looks like Samhain. And while doing the research, I don't know how many times I said Sam Hain in my head while typing it. So if I say that on accident, don't come at me. I know it's Samhain. I'm sorry. I'll come at her for you. Don't worry. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. Corey will. She'll come through the computer. So, (laughs) Um, and it was celebrated as the midpoint between the fall equinox and the winter solstice. And... Let's see. Frederick Soup, S-U-P-P-E. I think that's how you say his name. And an historian specializing in Celtic and medieval history at the Ball State University in Indiana quotes that all the Celtic peoples conceived 
of a fundamental dichotomy between light and dark, with the former representing positive, lucky, fruitful values, and the latter representing negative, threatening, destructive values. End quote. It was also their end-of-year celebration, and it was their biggest celebration other than Beltane, which was in April 30th through May 1st. So what they believed is that um, they would gather all the harvest in by that date to ensure that the mischievous spirits wouldn't bother the crops after Samhain. Okay, let me get... Hold on. I think I might have to put my glasses back on. Old lady. (laughs) (laughs) And it froze. Oh my gosh. I wish I could take a picture. It froze and you look like a turtle. (laughs) I'm old lady turtle. (laughs) So, after gathering the last harvest, um, they would have these giant bonfires with druid priests and pray and they would start it on October 31st and then the celebrations would last, I believe, three days. And harvest offerings were made to ensure that the entities were placated. So they would be like, here's some coin, leave us the fuck alone, please. And it was seen as the most significant of the four quarterly fire festivals. Um, And cattle were sacrificed. And the fire from the community bonfire was taken back to homes to relight each family hearth. So they were like all connected from the same fire. And early texts of Samhain stated that it was a mandatory event that lasted three days and three nights. They were required to show themselves to the local kings or chieftains and failure to participate was believed to result in punishment by the gods in the form of illness or death. Okay. I mean, you you were made to have a good time, apparently. Right. And, okay, so there was a military aspect. So holiday thrones were prepared for the commanders of soldiers. And if anyone committed a crime or used a weapon during this time, they were sentenced to death. Death. Straight up. Very extreme. It's very extreme. You can't kill anyone, but we can kill you. (laughs) Exactly. How dare you uh, use a weapon? We're going to use a weapon against you now. Right. Oh my gosh. I just imagine this never-ending chain of like, now you used a weapon. Now you are put to death. Now you used a weapon. Now you're put to death. And everyone dies. The whole town. Gone. (laughs) Then they just push someone off a cliff and it ends the cycle. Oh, no. (laughs) He tripped. I don't know. (laughs) Break the cycle. Uh, Some documents mention six days of excess drinking and feasts. That sounds like a good time. You know, I re-listened to the beer episode and maybe that's what they were using those big troughs of beer for. Honestly. Drinking in excess. That sounds right. (laughs) that's what they were doing so the Celts believed that the barrier that separates the physical and the spiritual world uh, was breachable on this day so ghosts could come and go 
and so could things like fairies and other monsters. And we're not talking like Tinkerbell little fairies. We're talking like mischievous fairies. The ones you don't want to mess No, you do not. Don't don't make deals with any of the fae at all. Please don't. Um, so it was expected that ancestors would cross over during this time. And the Celts would dress up as animals and monsters so the fairies wouldn't be tempted to kidnap them. Yes. Let's see. They would leave offerings outside the villages for the fairies. So I guess, like, here, take our shit and go. And some of the monsters were very specific. There were there were shape-shifting creatures called the puka that receives harvest offerings from the fields. There was the Lady Gwyn that is a headless woman dressed in all white that is accompanied by a black pig that chases people who wander at night. No, thank you. Yeah. Dullahan were impish creatures. They appeared as headless men riding flame-eyed horses, and they carried their own heads. Oh, that sounds familiar. It does, doesn't it? And they are a death omen for whoever encounters them. Sounds about right. <laughs> that does sound very familiar, doesn't it? You know, one of the things we could have gone to see while you're up here, Morgan, is uh, Sleepy Hollow's not too far. Just saying. That's really cool. <laughs> Save that for me! Come visit me. We'll go, we'll go uh, into the cemetery and just chill for a night. It'll be fine. Okay. Well, you might have to fund the whole experience, but I'll come. <laughs> Bring your kids. It'll be fine. <laughs> you don't want that. <laughs> no, I'll bring them. I'll bring them. I can see your kids making friends with ghosts in a cemetery. For sure. Oh, absolutely. Oh, oh, God, yeah. My daughter came up while I was researching this, and she saw a little girl from, like, the early 1900s. And she just, like, it's a black and white photo, and she can tell that it's old. And she just looked at this picture and she said, is she dead now? I was like, uh, probably, I don't know. Mind you, she's four. <laughs> I'm, I'm so scared of her. <laughs> okay. Uh, back to the scary well, nothing's as scary as my daughter. Okay. So, fairy <laughs> So, fairy um hosts haunt Samhain and would kidnap people. And slaw, S L U A G H, slow? Sure. Anyway, would enter houses from the west and steal souls. Mm. I don't know how to prevent that. Do you just lock up all the doors and windows on the west? I don't know. I guess just hope you're Can they enter from the east? I don't know. So, during the Middle Ages, uh, more personal fires started to become more popular as opposed to the community fires. And the reason behind that was to protect the families from the fairies and witches. So I guess they didn't want to travel as far to the community uh, fires and leave their stuff unattended. And this is about the time where carving turnips started to appear, 
We will get more into carving of things later. We're going to, I'm getting into the history and then we're going to talk about traditions and where the traditions came from. So in Wales, men would throw burning wood at each other as a game (laughs) and set off fireworks. And that is the most... Man, man thing, thing I have ever heard. I was literally just saying, that's the most man thing I've ever, like, just, let's just throw pieces of wood at each other that are on fire. I well, think, I think you know, we've reached it. I think this is peak toxic masculinity, y'all. Like, yeah. this might be it. I, it just reminds me of the time that when I was in high school, my brother and I used to shoot bottle rockets at each other because we were just dumb and one went into my parents boat and we thought we were gonna blow up the boat oh. <laughs> it's not good oh yeah oh god where were we uh men throwing wood at each other. oh yep yeah, yep yeah. so that was in wales the men throwing wood at each other but in northern england men would parade around with noisemakers so it's the moat that 360. (laughs) We've got grown men throwing flaming chunks of wood at each other in one place. And then in the other place, they're like, I am loud. (laughs) Loud. That's that's quite a dichotomy right there. (laughs) It is. (laughs) So, Dumb Supper... I do not know why it's named that, um, but Dumb Supper began. <laughs> just like, I'm just here for this dumbass supper. <laughs> That's probably really offensive to people who still celebrate. I'm very sorry. <laughs> but why would they call it that? Okay, so... Uh, Food would be eaten, but only after inviting the spirits of the ancestors to join them. And that uh, gave the families a chance to interact with the spirits until after dinner. And children would play games to entertain the dead, while the adults would update them on the previous year's news. It's kind of wholesome. So, it's wholesome, but also, like... I'm just imagining, what if you can't see the spirit and you just have like a chair open and now you're just talking to the chair like it's grandma? Yeah. And could be a day. Like, how do you know if she's there or not? Could you just be talking to a chair? Updating the chair on like the, the village. <laughs> oh, you wouldn't. The chair's that been there. What happened to Jack's cow? Broke its leg. We had a real good beef stew that night. <laughs> Just add and a chair. The kids, and the kids are fucking playing checkers in the corner like, Grandma, look at me. <laughs> I love this. Uh, can I adopt this? I want to do Dumb Supper every year. Let's do it. So, doors and windows uh, might be left open for the dead to come in and eat cake that had been left for them that night. I want to be the spirit that gets free cake as well. <laughs> so, um, 
So my next header is 5th through 10th century Christianized. Because <laughs> it do be like that sometimes. It, it do be like that, yep. It do be like that. Um, so in the around the 5th century, Pope Boniface moved the celebration to May 13th to celebrate saints and martyrs. But literally no one listened. And they still celebrated the fires in October and November. They're like, you can't just tell me that, like, you're doing this now. And what a... Because we're still going to do it. What a move to, ter- like, try to move it from October to May. Like, those are two completely different times of the year. Yeah. Yeah. I could almost see if he was like, oh, we're going to celebrate it at the beginning of October now. Yeah. Or whatever. But also... They're taking something that has nothing to do with what they're celebrating. And then they're trying to be like, oh, we're going to change it and also move it at the same time. I mean, to be fair. You just made a different holiday. To be fair, that is what they did with Christmas. So. I mean, it is. (laughs) I guess. Was Christmas first or did they do Halloween first? But I know. um... I don't either. Like, historians are way more smart than me have, like, kind of calculated based on the events of the Nativity story that it actually happened around April. But Christmas is celebrated because that is Yule, which is a pagan holiday, and it was Christianized to be Christmas, so. Yeah. (sighs) I have so many opinions that I'm going to keep to myself. Um, We'll save it for <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Get buckle in, y'all. <laughs> so, during the 7th century, Pope Gregory the 1st suggested to take the traditions of the Celts and turn them into a Christian thing, since the beliefs that were already there were so strong, they're like, well, obviously we're not going to get rid of what these are, so let's just change it. And it got moved back to the original date. Now, I want you to go back to the skit and I want you to look at the picture of Pope Gregory and please tell me what the fuck is going on. So what I see, I see on either side of him (laughs) are some some gargoyle angels with breasts and one foot. Um, It's like a paw. Uh And then... To his right is a cloven-hoofed demon, I guess, holding a large book. And he's just kind of, like, like staring morosely at the book, like, while slouched in his fancy chair. Yeah. Uh, this is concerning, maybe? I... All I notice is the one-legged breasted titty demon and then it just went (laughs) downhill from there what is this they don't even have arms they just have wings and like and cut up and
from breast to foot. <laughs> oh yeah, their abs are a kneecap. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? His facial expression sums up his existence pretty well. <laughs> does not look happy to be here. No, he does not. Uh, (laughs) I like your caption. What the fuck is happening here? (laughs) Oh, man. Oh, okay. So that guy was like, we're going to steal all the Celt shit Mm -hmm. and turn it into Christian shit. (laughs) So... So And I mean that no offense to either of those. So, <laughs> so by the ninth century, uh, the Christian influence had spread into the Celtic lands where it gradually really started taking over uh, the older rites. And in 1000 AD um, or CE, the church officially named November the 2nd all souls day as uh the day to honor the dead and this is after november 1st was named all saints day so now we have uh Samhain on october 31st all saints day and then all souls day but the traditions of the celts never truly died out it was just too ingrained and i feel like they were so connected with the earth and stuff. Nothing was lit- literally nothing was going to take that away from them. It might have changed a lot, but you know the basis was still there. So All Saints Day celebration was also known as All Hallows or All Hallowmas, derived from the Middle English word for All Saints Day, which is All Hallowmas. With an M-E-S-S-E at the end. All Hallow Miss. And this is when Samhain began. Samhain uh, started to be called All Hallows Eve. And All Hallows Eve, over the centuries, just morphed into Halloween. Ta-da. Fancy word stuff. Words. <laughs> yes. However words morphed, it happened. Um, so... Over the centuries, the three days, Samhain, All Saints Days, and All Souls Day, morphed into, like, one holiday celebrated by the public on October 31st. So they just celebrated on the first day, and they just kind of did all the things. Making uh, the biggest changes happened in America in the, like, 19th century. We'll get into that in a little bit as well. Okay. So, uh, the Catholic Church still celebrates um, All Saints and All Souls Days, and the Celtic people and Wicca are bringing the traditional ways of Samhain back. Um, And let's see. There has been a resurgence of more traditional celebration, like I just said, of Samhain starting in the 1980s. Thanks to the growing population of the Wicca. And let's see. So the celebrations take on the aspects of both modern Halloween and the more traditional practices. Typically, 
And they're there to honor nature and the ancestors. And then Wiccan traditions were actually thrown in there as well. So let's see. Okay, so a festival is held on October 31st to celebrate the dead. Usually includes a bonfire and dance. And apparently American pagans hold celebrations called witches' balls in proximity to Samhain. May I join? I want to go to a ball. It does sound like a great time. Yeah. So... You ready to get into some traditions? Traditions. Traditions. And where they came from. Yeah. So, first off, trick-or-treating. And some of these are going to mesh a little bit together. You're going to see a lot. A lot of them were like morphing and inspiring other things at the same time. So, in the Middle Ages... Uh, some people started dressing up as ghosts and demons and other malevolent creatures and performing antics or tricks in exchange for food or drink. And this was referred to as mumming. I don't know why mumming. Mum. Okay. Mum's the word. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, in the ninth century... In England and Ireland, during All Saints' Day and All Souls' Day celebrations, some of the poorer citizens would visit the homes of the wealthier people and receive pastries called soul cakes in exchange for their prayers of the wealthy homeowner's dead relatives. So I guess the homeowners didn't think they had enough prayers for their ancestors, so they were just bribing other people to pray for them. (laughs) Because <laughs> why not? Why not? And this was known as souling. And <laughs> you're so creative with these names. Mumming, souling. I know. <laughs> Mumming, souling. Sounds like things the Grim Reaper would do. <laughs> um and the practice was soon taken up by children who would go door to door and get gifts ranging from food, money, and even ale. Because like we said in the beer episode, everyone was drunk. Yep. Even children. Everyone. (laughs) Yes. Mostly the children. They had to get through the days. Okay. (laughs) And they needed those vitamins to grow healthy, okay? (laughs) Beer. Beer back then was today's Pedialyte. Leave them alone. (laughs) Okay, so... Although it is unknown exactly where the phrase trick or treat came from, it had been firmly established in American pop culture by 1951 when trick or treating was depicted in the Peanuts comic strip. And in 1952, Disney made a cartoon called Trick or Treat featuring Donald Duck and his nephews Huey, Dewey, and Louie. Yeah, and there was a bit of a lull in trick-or-treating during World War II thanks to sugar rations, which make makes complete sense. Um, and after World War II, and since the candy companies were no longer held back due to the sugar rations, 
they started to capitalize on the baby boom in the years following the war. And this is where we see the emergence of Halloween commercials and other advertisements specifically targeted for Halloween candy and trick-or-treating, so on and so forth, stuff like that. Um, okay, this one's probably my favorite. Carving jack-o'-lanterns. Yeah. yeah! I love carving jack-o'-lanterns. The kids have been begging me to do it. My daughter actually cried because I threw away her pumpkin from last year. <laughs> oh my gosh. She cried last week about it. <laughs> like she didn't think about it for a whole solid 12 months. And then was like, where's my Halloween pumpkin? And I'm like, I threw it in the woods for the deer to eat. And she was like, why would you do that? <laughs> <laughs> last year. <laughs> kids have a memory that is rock solid it is seriously i don't even He'll, remember what i did for halloween last year like just in general no. and she remembers they know pumpkin that she carved <laughs> yeah she and she was very upset about it okay so now jack-o'-lanterns before i get into the story the legend behind the jack-o'-lantern carving scary faces out of vegetables um that's the word that is a word vegetables goes back to the original celtic days to scare off because they would like carve scary faces in like turnips and shit and hang them up to scare off the fairies and such if I would quit hitting the table, that would be great. Um, so, let's see. Uh, soup, the soup per- man, quotes again that, quote, the jack-o'-lantern customs consists of placing fire, which imitates the good magic of the sun, inside a hollowed-out vegetable representing the harvest. It was done in hopes that the good magic will help to preserve the harvested food through the dark half of the year until the next growing season could replenish the community's food stocks. So that and, yeah. And in the 19th century, so in the 1800s in Ireland and Scotland, an Irish myth about a man named Stingy Jack who tricked the devil and was forced to roam the earth while only burning coal in a carved turnip to light his way. So, how did Stingy Jack get, uh, you know, damned to roam the earth? Let me tell you. The devil came to Jack one day and was like, Bruh, it's time for you to go, my dude. Like, it's time. You you did. And Jack was like, nah, I don't want to. Can I at least have another beer first? Will you have a beer with me? And the devil was like, fucking fine. Sure. I'll have a beer with you. And so Jack invited the devil to have a drink with him. But he didn't want to pay for it. 
So he convinced the devil to turn into a coin so Jack could pay for the beer with the devil (laughs) coin. (laughs) But instead of paying for the beers, Jack put the coin in his pocket next to a silver cross that prevented the devil from changing back into his original form. Uh, Jack was like, all right, dude, if you leave me alone for one year, and if I died, you cannot collect my soul, I will let you back out. And the devil's like, bet. So uh, (laughs) the next year, like clockwork, the devil showed back up and was like, years up, my dude. And Jack was like, um, <laughs> man, I just really want a piece of that fruit up there in that tree. So do you care to climb up there and get me a piece of fruit? And the devil was like, if it makes you shut up, sure. <laughs> so <laughs> devil climbed the tree <laughs> and Jack like carved a cross in the trunk of the tree real quick so the devil couldn't get back down. <laughs> so he tricked him twice. And then Jack made another deal with the devil, which don't do that. Don't do that. To not bother him for another 10 years. Why he didn't ask for 10 years the first time, I I don't know. Did he think he only had a year left? I'm not I'm not sure. He was probably drunk. So, unfortunately, Jack did die soon after. And apparently, God didn't want him in heaven. Because, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And the devil kept his word by not claiming his soul. And also wouldn't allow him to go to hell either. So now he's stuck in limbo. So instead, the devil sent Jack off into the dark night with only one burning coal to light his way. And Jack then put that coal into one of the carved out turnips that he found and apparently has been roaming the earth ever since. Just because. So, just because. And I have actually heard the story before. And it was on... um, this paranormal life and it was probably one of the funniest bits ever so y'all go check them out because they're awesome so anyway uh they're super funny and in uh you know so people found out about stingy jack and then they began to carve scary faces into turnips and potatoes and place them in their windowsills to scare off stingy jack and other evil spirits And when the immigrants came to America due to the potato famine, they figured out that the native pumpkins worked really well as jack-o'-lanterns. I don't know if if Jack is just really, like, charismatic or if the devil is a sap. Because I cannot believe he was tricked by a human being twice. Man, the devil must be so bored. I mean, he probably shows up and they're like, please don't take me. And then this one guy's just like, you want a beer? And he's like, yeah, dude, I do, actually. Yeah. And he kept to his word. Like, that's another thing I wouldn't expect the devil to do is, like, 
sure, I'm not going to just drag you immediately down to hell after you free me. Yeah. I will wait a year because you got me. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But it really reaffirms what your previous statement, everyone was drinking beer, even even the devil. Like, all of them. (laughs) Even the devil. (laughs) You know? You know, the devil plays by the rules, and I think we should all keep that in mind. So next time he shows up, we could probably trick him up a tree. I don't know why he didn't just jump from a tree branch. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he was making his own rules. I want you to go back to uh, Pope What the Fuck and um, scroll down one. And I want you to look how creepy that is. These are absolutely terrifying costumes. Like, even their buckets are scary. Yeah. I don't know what year that's from, but it makes me want to cry. <laughs> they look like Leatherface. Well, they traditionally, they were made out of, like, animal skins. Oh, I hate it. So, literally. Oh, Ooh, how that would smell. The eyes. Like, it looks like they were, like, the animal's eyes. Or oh, that's so uh- awesome. <laughs> Look away. <laughs> okay. Like, this one is like this so, is pretty creepy. The little one with like the human looking face. Like that's really yeah. creepy. But the one on the right looks downright like from a horror movie. The one on the right looks like it should be turned into a cartoon and put into a Tim Burton movie. Very oogie boogie. Yeah. But way, way scarier than the oogie boogie. <laughs> If I caught my, if I wore that and I walked past a mirror, I think I might pee. <laughs> <laughs> I could not. So. <clears throat> this is reminding me of some of our Halloween costumes through the years, Emily. Like. When you I know. Were- I was thinking about posting some of them. Y'all might get lucky if I find some of these pictures. I was thinking of Truck Stop Betty. You don't have to. You make me want to do the voice. I I haven't done the voice yet on the pod. We did tell the listeners that they're lucky. They get to hear truck stop Betty. (laughs) She takes a drink. (laughs) Summons Betty from beyond. Welcome to the truck stop. Y'all ladies want some coffee? I've got some eggs cooking. The fucking cook left though, so I've been cooking it all. This place is a shithole. (laughs) Bobby left me again (laughs) and I'm down to my last pack of cigarettes truck stop Betty is from Jersey in case I (laughs) had any doubts (laughs) oh my god okay that's gonna be a trip to actually hear that voice on a recording for the first time I don't know what it sounds like to y'all. Oh my god. <sighs> okay. All right. So back on track. Lord have mercy. Okay. <laughs> Halloween in America. <laughs> you knew what you were doing when you asked me to join you today. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and it's not a single regret was made. <laughs> Best choice. So Halloween in America. You know I like my titles, Morgan. More tricks than treats. So. 
In most of the United States, Halloween wasn't very popular because America was mostly Protestant at one point. I mean, and we're talking like before potato famine, like probably 1700s-ish. Um, only the popular, like, only the Catholic-dominated areas such as like Maryland and some other southern colonies celebrated Halloween. And in the mid-19th century, the new immigrants, like I said, the Irish coming from fleeing the potato famine, helped popularize Halloween. And when they came over here, they brought their traditions from their homelands, which included pulling pranks on their neighbors. And these pranks would range from innocent to... You're just straight up vandalizing things and beating people up. Um, so it was common for these tricks to include putting farmers' wagons and livestock on barn roofs. How I don't I don't That's know. I was like the calculus meme, like how? How <laughs> like the 1800s? I, they didn't have cranes. I don't know. Um, they would uproot vegetables from gardens and they would tip over outhouses, whether That's they were occupied or not. That's just rude. Which is kind of funny. I know, it's so rude. Also, don't waste the food. Don't uproot the vegetables. Yeah, someone worked hard to grow that. Yeah, and in some regions... So many gates were taken off hinges to allow livestock to roam free that it got nicknamed Gate Night. <laughs> yeah, but also you're letting people's livestock out. Don't do that. No. Don't do that. Like so, a, a prank a good prank does not involve harm or like suffering upon the other person. Like the other person yeah. should be able to laugh if it's a good prank. And if someone has yeah. to create so much extra work for a prank, it's not a prank. It's just being cruel. <laughs> yeah. Just say. Yeah. Also, some of those um, gates or whatever were keeping like, I don't know, maybe coyotes or other things away from the livestock that could harm the livestock. Right. So, by the early 20th century, vandalism, physical assaults, and acts of violence became more common. Um, and I've got some examples here. So, in one area, a teetotaling Protestant minister in Ohio awoke after one Halloween to discover his front porch decorated with beer signs and towering pyramids of beer kegs. <laughs> Which is funny. <laughs> um, after the automobile was invented, pranks would rage range from removing manhole covers from streets. Oh God! Deflating tires and erecting fake detour signs to confuse drivers. Oh no! Now the manhole covers and deflating tires, I am not okay with. But how funny would it be if you just made people drive in a circle all day? <laughs> <laughs> That's very Looney Tunes. Like, very. It is. So, 
some of the bigger cities had problems with people setting fires, uh, breaking glass, and even tripping pedestrians. Oh, man. Don't trip people. And uh, young boys were known to run through the streets covering people in flour and soot. Don't do that. So, one year in Kansas City, kids waxed a streetcar track that was on a steep hill, which caused the vehicle to slip and crash into another streetcar, which seriously injured the conductor. Oh. So, See, those are not, that's not a good prank. (laughs) No. No, it's not. And in, let's see, 1879... About 200 boys in Kentucky stopped a train by laying a fake, like a dummy of a person on the railroad tracks. And they were just like 200 boys were just in the woods laughing at the conductor because he made this entire train stop somehow on a dime for a dummy. You know, when you get that many boys together, you're, it's it's only going to be chaotic. No good things will happen. Yeah. That many no. in one. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's just. <laughs> I mean, I can barely handle the impulsiveness of the one I have. So, in 1900, <laughs> this one's so bad. Medical students at the University of Michigan stole a headless corpse from the anatomy lab and propped it up against the building's front doors. No! Oh! Yeah! Oh, no. <laughs> that poor person, whoever they were. I know. It's like I donated my body to science. This is not what I was no. expecting. Oh, gosh. Their ghost is probably just standing there. Hey. Gosh, can you imagine walking in and seeing an actual headless corpse? Yeah, and I bet there were so few, like, people that worked in the anatomy lab that would know where that came from. Could you imagine just trying to go to fucking English class and there's, like, a dead body in the door? (laughs) So things got a little heated between you know, like law enforcement and the people that were wanting all these pranks to stop and the pranksters. And in 1902, the Cook County Herald um, in Arlington Heights, Illinois, quoted, Most everybody enjoys a joke or fun to a proper degree on suitable occasions, but when property is damaged or destroyed, it is time to call a halt. We would advise the public to load their muskets or cannon with rock, salt, or birdshot, and when trespassers invade your premises at unseemly hours upon mischief-bent pepper them good and proper so they will be effectively cured and have no further taste for such tricks. Okay, two things. One. Yes. Do people just, did they just have cannons? Like, does a regular person just have a cannon? I don't know if maybe they referred to a gun as a cannon. I hope not. Two. Any of those things could be deadly. 
Especially rocks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, there was actually an incident, and I didn't write this down, because um, it is kind of a bummer, but because of this um, statement, a uh, a guy was tripped by, like, a tripwire, and he shot and killed one of the kids that did it in, like, this area. So, like... Obviously, don't trip somebody, but I don't feel like that was an offense punishable by death, and that's horrible. Yeah, that's really awful. So, let's see. And by 1933, parents were outraged when hundreds of teenage boys flipped over cars and sawed off telephone poles in one area. Just face palming. Yeah. (laughs) I, yes. Again, when you get, like, a bunch of boys together, it, like... Chaos happens. (laughs) It's like, it's like you get a bunch of, even just teenagers in general. Teenagers are just harbingers of chaos. And we say that as previous teenagers ourselves (laughs) who were pretty good kids and still harbingers of chaos. I mean. We didn't do anything bad, but we were still crazy. Yeah. I'm nodding emphatic- emphatically. You can't see it. Oh. It all happened at Corey's house when we were teenagers. <laughs> it was Corey's house. It also happened in the Nugget, my Jeep that I can move the steering wheel while driving down the road. Yeah. Didn't even Not safe. to start. Just no, people just admission. would move it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Man, those were good times. They were good times. So... Uh, kids in the Midwest and the East Coast moved the tricks, um, to the night before Halloween, because like I'm going to get into this next section, uh, more organized stuff started happening. So the kids wanted to trick and treat. They wanted to get, have their cake and eat it too. Um, so they would trick on the 30th and they would treat on the 31st. And this became known as Mischief Night. Or, in parts of New Jersey, Goosey Night. (laughs) Those silly gooses. (laughs) They're just goosing. I had never heard the term Mischief Night until I moved up here, but I'm going to have to ask about Goosey Night now. I'm going to ask around. Yeah, please do. Listen, the History Channel told me that that was a thing, so if it's not, I'm going to be very mad at the History Channel. I wonder if your neighbor's would have heard of it because most of them are older so i wonder if they are familiar with that term it's very possible also new jersey is small but surprisingly split on terms such as pork roll or taylor ham so i wouldn't be surprised if it was a regional thing like north jersey calls it one thing and south jersey calls it mischief night it did say in parts of new jersey so it might not be new jersey wide so that's multiple neighbors (laughs) yeah It's like a pole. Just walk around (laughs) with a piece of paper. Hello. (laughs) I must know. Is it mischief? (laughs) Is it mischief or goosey? (laughs) Goosey. Okay, now every time the kids are just like dicking around, I'm going to call it. They're just goosing. (laughs) (laughs) So, while most areas pranks... By the time that the more organized things started happening, um, a lot of the pranks subsided, at least in most areas and in intensity, except for Detroit and Flint, Michigan. 
their pranks were bad enough throughout the 70s and 80s that it started to be called Devil's Night. During this time, the 70s and 80s, fires would be lit in trash cans and abandoned buildings, and it peaked in 84 with 800 fires across the area in a three-night spree. Oh my god. And this was only quelled by the dusk till dawn curfew for any unaccompanied minors, plus a neighborhood watch. Yeah. So, I think one night, I think in the 1990s, there were like 30,000 volunteers who just like stood watch over the cities to make sure that like shit wasn't happening. Now everything is under control and they refer to it as Angel's Night. So, so haunted houses. I like haunted houses. Um, even though I do get spooked. Me too. <laughs> so, uh, by this time, spooky attractions were already popular in Europe. And so, for example, in the 1800s, Marie Tussauds, Tussaud Wax Museum in London. Is it Tussaud? I think so. Okay. So Marie Tussaud's Wax Museum in London featured the Chamber of Horrors with decapitated figures from the French Revolution. Oh. Which is scary because it's, like, real. Yeah. I mean, that's that's a horror. Like, you could have sure. gone monsters. Yeah, you could have gone monsters, but no, you went... You went straight for the heart. Re- okay. Real life horror. <laughs> um, yeah. War. Um... And in 1915, a British amusement ride manufacturer created one of the first iterations of a haunted house, which included dim lights, shaking floors, demonic screams, the usual you find in a haunted house. So in the United States, the Great Depression uh, really started this trend because by then the violence had peaked around Halloween and it was partially due to the dire economic conditions as well because people had all this pent-up energy and they're like, well, if I can put on a mask and go break some windows, it'll at least let me blow off some steam. So the violence was getting really bad and parents were concerned about their kids running around on Halloween. Um, and those parents started to organize haunted houses and haunted trails to keep their kids off the streets. Makes sense. So, Lisa Morton, the author of Trick or Treat, A History of Halloween, states that, quote, The first house might give out costumes such as white sheets to be a ghost or soot to smudge on kids' faces. The next house might give out treats, and the next might have a basement set up as a tiny haunt. This starts to morph into kids getting dressed up and going house to house trick or treating. And this is in addition to um, the Samhain traditions carrying over as well, where they were already dressing up and stuff. I'm sorry, did, Corey? You, say, did you say that they had basements that were decorated as tiny haunts? Can you imagine today, like, allowing your kid to go into some stranger's house? In their scary basement. In their scary-ass <laughs> basement? Like, can you imagine? Absolutely not. <laughs> Times have changed. Absolutely not. <laughs> Did I ever tell you? My mom threw a haunted house one time. Um, when back in Athens, when we lived at the apartment complex across from the high school, she was the manager there, 
And one year she threw a haunted house. Uh, she got a guy with a chainsaw to come in. And like, we have like, um, so it was very short. It was like, yeah. like three rooms, but like, there was all the, like the kids that lived in the apartment complex there. And they like had all these foods that we would like touch and stuff like spaghetti like bowl of worms Ew. and grapes like peeled grapes for eyeballs and stuff and it's all dark and they were like feel the eyeballs and the worms and all this stuff and then they would be like come look at our haunted thing they would open the a door a guy would scare us we would run away and there'd be another guy with a chainsaw just right there as we ran away and we'd run back and it just kind of looped through all the kids it was a lot of fun oh my god (laughs) that sounds like so much fun yeah it's really great even then though that's like part of your community that's like people that sort of live in the same place mostly so it's not like just complete strangers walking down the road come into my basement tiny child it is scary (laughs) (laughs) oh that gives me so much anxiety as a parent Not not really cool with that idea. No, and also, and I'll get into things later, but also just the thought of, like, here is a homemade baked good from someone that I don't know. Yeah. No thanks. No. No thanks. So that's how Haunted Houses started. You know, um, I think the last time I went to a haunted house was when me and you went our senior year of high school, Emily. Oh my god, we have to remedy that. We are. <laughs> so, one of the things I have planned for Morgan is that I'm taking her to Eastern State Penn's haunted attractions, and let me tell you, they're some of the best in the country. I'm, really, uh, I'm going to have to physically carry her through the exhibit. She is. I already <laughs> told her I'm jumping Scooby-Doo style into her arms, because I'm a scaredy cat. Corey, hear me out. One of those really strong, like, baby carriers. And just hook her onto your back like a backpack. I've been training my whole life for this. It's perfect. It's a flawless thing. I mean, if she passes out, she's already up there. We're going to have to go shopping tomorrow. I need baby carriers. I need pictures. (laughs) Oh my god, could you imagine if someone came to help you and they're like, oh, how old's your baby? And Corey's like, she's right here. (laughs) Oh my gosh, what is this one of those front-facing ones? (laughs) Siri, convert 30 years old to months, please. dangling from your chest as you walk around <laughs> lugging me around and we're like chest to chest <laughs> just like here I am <laughs> we'd probably scare the actors at that point Morgan and a baby carrier. Um, 
So, uh, costumes were always part of the celebrations from day one. We've discussed that. But it wasn't until the mid-20th century that they started to look like what we see today. So, in ancient times, uh, this was a time to let off steam since the hard work of the harvest was completed. And they would also play pranks to let off steam. I'm telling you, this all kind of merges together. So, in Scotland, a group of young men were called geysers uh, because they wore disguises. And um, they would put on the disguise and then go around tricking people. And the disguises were mainly for making sure their identity wasn't known. And this kind of started the tradition and then it morphed a million times until we got to what we have today. So before the 1950s, the goal was just to look super creepy and conceal your identity but not look like really any specific thing. Kind of like how we saw the creepy characters. And you can um, scroll down one more in the skit. God. And you'll see some more creepy things. And that's 1929. I'm going to be honest. This looks like it could be a racist caricature right here. I don't know. I think all of these. I was kind of thinking that about the pumpkins on the previous one. Yeah. I don't even know yeah, what's going I, on in this one. Unfortunately, there was a lot of, you know, not good behavior, things that we would definitely frown upon now happening, which, I mean, they were frowned upon then, but it's not like people gave a shit. You know, such as blackface and other things that suck super bad. Yeah. Um... So it very well could be. But the clown one's really creepy. It's very creepy. And then over here it looks like a flapper maybe, but like with a some kind of mask, like half mask. Yeah. Well, the point of it was to conceal your identity as well. So even if you were something kind of mundane you still wanted to cover your face yeah and popular themes were ghosts pumpkins black cats and the moon so like they would put in moon symbols dark fabric anything that kind of replicated something dark and otherworldly um so that was pre-1950s and Somewhere during the 1950s, where before there were only, like, paper masks and children's aprons available for commercial sale, they started to mass-produce costumes, and that made them cheaper and more readily available for families, because these families were having to make these every year. Yeah. And that takes a lot of effort, so scroll down one more, and we'll see... 1950s you see like a mask and like an outfit bags that went with it like a pirate yeah we got jolly roger devil looking guy maybe i yeah it looks like the devil and then i don't know what the girl is in the middle i'm not sure it looks like she is wearing the face of maybe like a latina actress or something like with the yeah possibly it very well could be 
that we just don't know that bit of pop culture right there. Yeah. Yeah. This was around the time, um, again, that haunted houses and trails were becoming popular, too. And uh, the costumes started to become less abstract and scary. And they started to look more of, like, what children would like to see. So this is when we start seeing the shift of Halloween as, like, only a spooky, scary thing to, like, more kid-friendly. Yeah. More kid-driven holiday. So more and more kids started to dress up like this. Um... And this is where we start to see the emergence of just, like, pop culture instead of just abstract things. So, between the 70s and the 90s, really big changes happened um, in the costumes. So, we saw the emergence of political costumes, more horror-related themes due to slasher movies, Pop culture references such as, like, Star Wars and E.T. were really popular in the 80s. And even, like, the sexy costumes started coming around in the 90s. And if you scroll down, you'll see in 1957 a couple dressed as Sputnik and a Soviet soldier, which I think is super cute. That's that's really funny, honestly. (laughs) I love that. Sexy satellite is my next costume. Yeah. What's really funny is the the woman that's dressed as a satellite is just wearing a round like foil like shape. <laughs> she is just an orb, an orb with a fur hat and rabbit ears. <laughs> it's a very clever costume, honestly. It's, it's really a funny. very clever costume. I loved it so much. <laughs> so, fear the poison candy. Oh, yeah, the poison candy. So, before the 50s, most families gave out homemade treats, nuts, coins, and toys. But when the candy manufacturers started getting into the game, it all changed. Candy was more affordable and way easier. And it was around the 70s that pre-wrapped candy was seen as the only acceptable thing to hand out because of safety concerns. And we all know, every year there seems to be, like, a new rumor of, like, there's razor blades in the apples, and there's, you know, um... You know what, um, not extensive research, but my own research into, like, this kind of subject, where when there are incidents of children being, like, poisoned or whatever from candy, almost every time it's from a family family member or parent. Yep. Well... You are getting into something I'm going to touch on. Um, so in 1964, a New York woman named Helen File Feel was arrested for handing out things like ant poison and dog biscuits to kids. Um, when she was questioned, the housewife said that she was joking and that she gave the items to kids she felt were too old to be trick-or-treating. Don't gatekeep trick-or-treating, No, bitch. It's for anyone. If anyone wants to trick-or-treat, they get candy. And no children were poisoned during this, uh, but the law enforcement definitely didn't find her very funny. That's not funny. (laughs) At my house, we hand out soda and candy to adults, too. They're always really confused, but we do it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, here. 
You are walking around with these kids. You deserve a candy bar. So one of the most infamous cases of poison candy took place on Halloween in 1974. Texas man Ronald O'Brien gave cyanide-laced pixie sticks to five kids, including his own son. The other kids didn't eat the candy, but his eight-year-old son, Timothy, did and died soon after. And he had recently taken out life insurance policies on his children. So, yeah, you called it. And he was convicted of murder and then executed in 1984. Is that not horrible his own son the life insurance policy yeah jesus like he (laughs) yeah i have a lot of very very intense yes about that yeah i mean i can't imagine like that's not just like a a one-time thing or like a mental health lapse that's like i planned this to get money that is disgusting and it said his children so i'm assuming there's more than one and uh, the paranoia, paranoia reached new heights in the early 1980s after the Tylenol poisonings, which were also cyanide-laced. Those have gone unsolved. Yeah. And there was also, in Japan, it wasn't just an American thing. In Japan, candy companies were threatened in the 80s by a crime ring called the Mysterious Man with 21 Faces. So what they would do is they told the um, candy companies that they would poison the candy if they weren't paid a ransom. So the companies pulled most of the candy off the shelves and found it to be safe. A few months later, they were threatened again. And the companies did the same thing. They pulled the candy off the shelves and they did find cyanide in some of that candy. So they followed through. No one was killed. I don't know if they ended up paying the ransom or not, but no one figured out who it was, even though the Japanese police have conducted over 125,000 investigations on the subject. Damn. Sounds like it could potentially have been an inside job, honestly. Yeah, I mean, because how else would you get that into sealed candy? Right. I hate that. I do too. And that is what I have on Halloween. What a way to end it. (laughs) I know. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Spooky. Very spooky. (laughs) Have fun out there, kids. (laughs) So let's all go have some candy. (laughs) Yes. I learned a lot researching this one. No, you did a really good job. I learned a lot that I did not know. Um, I knew a lot about, like, the Samhain, like, origins of Halloween, but not how it evolved over time. So that's really neat. Yeah. Because it is kind of weird to think about how did we go from, like, dancing around bonfires and drinking too much and lighting hearths and sacrificing cows to this. Yeah. Whatever your modern day Halloween celebrations are. Yeah. Yeah. But it was fun. Yeah. Good job. Thanks. Corey, I'm glad you were here. Yeah. I was happy to be here. Halloween's my favorite. Question for you guys. What is your favorite Halloween candy? Reese's. 
I I actually don't like candy very much. Please please don't burn me at the stake for that one. But like I yeah. I've never really liked candy. Emily knows this about me. Morgan knows this about me. But like yeah, yeah. Reese's though. Yeah, I could eat. Yeah, they I, hit different. They hit different. And gummy bears. I don't know gummies <laughs> in general. I like I like gummies. Ooh, I like gummies too. I like Skittles. I like Reese's. I like mounds and almond toys. <laughs> and she just keeps going. Emily likes candy. And we're just here for the next hour and a half. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love the, uh, I'm uh, trying to think of like what's peak and I don't probably any of those. Yeah. yeah. I like the little bite-sized Twizzlers. They only come out at Halloween. Oh, and yeah. I will get a stomach ache. Like, I went and bought Halloween candy the other day for the house because we were having guests over for the next little while. Yeah. And I was like, I'll buy some Halloween candy so whenever guests come over, they can have some. And I picked out all the Twizzlers and I kept them in a secret <laughs> space so Kyle couldn't eat them and I ate them all. Not not at <laughs> once. I spaced it out over a couple weeks, but... Can I have an unpopular opinion? I don't like Twizzlers. They're my favorite. I don't <laughs> that probably like... makes me really lame. <laughs> they're they're too like are they cherry flavored? I think so. Like the the traditional Twizzlers are. See, that's why I don't like I don't like cherry flavored things. I like cherries. I just don't like the cherry flavoring. Yeah. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. I like chocolate. I like Twix and <laughs> Snickers, <laughs> Milky Way, Three Musketeers. I just want like a compilation of Emily saying off every name of candy she can think of. <laughs> oh yeah, Three Musketeers. Um, oh, do you? Oh, I like the little um, SpongeBob Krabby Patty gummies. <laughs> <laughs> You're keeping up with the latest candy trends? Are you serious? <laughs> I thought my sweet tooth had gone away, but I just um, realized that it hasn't. I don't think. I don't think. I don't think it'll ever go away, Emma. I'm sorry. <laughs> no. I mean, my maiden name was Baker, so like, I don't. I live for sweets. <laughs> well, happy sweets. right before Halloween, everybody. Yeah. Halloween on a was it Monday or Tuesday? Tuesday. I hope everyone has a safe Halloween, a fun Halloween. Um, drink if you want to. <laughs> or eat Don't nachos. if you don't. Or eat nachos. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you have lots of Halloween nachos. Get lots of candy. Dress up. Have fun. I see it as a time of year to just be as ridiculous as you want to be. Yes. Who's going to stop you? As long the as you don't hurt maybe. anyone else. Do whatever you want. Yes. Do tricks that don't involve vandalism or harming other people. Or just making and, their lives worse. <laughs> yeah. And I look forward to seeing pictures of Morgan in a baby carrier on <laughs> <laughs> Corey. <laughs> You'll be the first to so, see the pics, Emma. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> You're, you guys Patreon. are welcome. <laughs> yes. Yeah, oh gosh. Subscribe we have to a Patreon TikTok to now. Morgan and a baby carrier. <laughs> that is going to be the best bonus content I've ever seen. 
Um, okay, so yeah, I almost forgot to do all the damn sign-offs. Okay, yes. so email us with your suggestions at illequippedhistory at gmail.com. Find us on Instagram and Facebook, Illequipped History. We have a TikTok now. By the time this comes out, we'll have had it for a couple weeks, so go find us on that. Finally figured um, it out, you guys. <laughs> It only took me a day of nearly wanting to throw my entire laptop and phone at the same time off my porch. Um, Someone come and help into your the elder fire. millennials. We're not okay. <laughs> How do you work this newfangled technology? No one knows. So by the time you're hearing this, we do have some videos out. And as goofy as they are, we think they're funny. Yeah. And... Yeah, so tell your friends, like, share. Next week we release our Patreon, right? The 1st of November? November the 1st. So on Wednesday, our Patreon will drop. Please subscribe to it and you will see all the fun things. Yes. Yes, we will have the Bell Witch episode. Technically is our first bonus episode. It will be on there. And then first Friday of every month. You will uh, get another bonus episode. Woohoo! Yay! So that would be it will drop on Wednesday, and then two days later you get a bonus episode. Yeah. We should get on that. Yeah, I was just thinking. <laughs> <laughs> we need to come up with a bonus episode. <laughs> Stay tuned. <laughs> okay. Well, we're gonna go. Um. Be safe. Have fun. Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. Woo. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Thanks, Corey. You're wonderful. Of course. Okay, bye. Okay, bye.